Okay, say this after me. Are you ready? Sometimes. Now we're going to try one more time. Sometimes I talk too much. No, 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 no. Not you, not me. Say I. Sometimes I talk too much. Say it. Yeah, sometimes we do. How many of you would say, you know what, that describes me? Sometimes I talk too much. How many of you are sitting next to somebody that you say, yep, that describes them? Sometimes they talk too much. Um, I've had some people in my life that I would just say talked way too much. Maybe there's a couple memes floating around, but here's one that I saw this week that I thought was absolutely hilarious. Dear teacher, I talk to everyone. Moving my seat will not help. Anybody have kids like that? It won't help. I talk to everyone. I'm friends with everybody. This last, um, when was it, babe, when we went to Oklahoma City to marry Braden and Tara? Um, last October... Went to Oklahoma City to marry two kids um, that were in my youth ministry. And Braden was that kid that talked way too much. I mean, the kid, he was like five foot five, 105 pounds, really athletic, and his mouth was probably the biggest muscle that he had. Just blah, 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 blah. He never stopped. And you might say, well, he probably stopped when he was eating. No, this kid never shut up. When we would go on a trip together, I would literally have to watch Braden and say, Braden, you have to stop talking so you can eat because we're not going to wait here forever for you because we would all be done and he would have taken only two bites because he had to tell everybody else what was going on in his life. And he never stopped. You'd say, well, he probably stopped talking when he slept. No, no, no. The kid talked in his sleep. He mumbled in his sleep all the time. The kid talked way too much. Anybody have children like that? Yeah. <laughs> Some parents are like, glory, hallelujah. I know what you're talking about. Look, so we, we just have sometimes, sometimes we just talk way too much. And it's true. Are you ready? Now, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but it's true even when we talk about talking about Jesus. In this series that we're in, Can I Get a Witness? We're talking about this idea that, that Jesus looked at his disciples and one of the last things he told them, it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, he says, Now therefore I want you to go into all the world, baptizing them or making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded, everything that I taught you. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, Now, therefore, I want you to go and be my witnesses to the whole world, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to Samaria, everywhere. You are my witnesses. Now, think about it. When we think about sharing our faith, the reason it strikes fear into some of us is because we start thinking about what we're going to say. But maybe, just maybe, a portion about sharing our faith and connecting with people in their hearts, in their lives, is also about having the ability to listen. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The ability to listen. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote the book of James. And in James verse 1, verse 19 and 21, he says this. Are you ready? He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Now, he said, now, I want you to listen. Take note of this. Are you ready? Everyone should be quick to what? Listen. And slow to what? Speak. 
and slow to become what? Angry. Now, how many of you are thinking, now, Pastor, you can stop right there, say amen, dismiss us, because you've given me enough to work on today. That's it. That's all I need to focus on is these three things. Here's the problem, is oftentimes we get it backwards, right? We're not quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. We're quick to talk and we're quick to get angry and we're slow to listen. Anybody run into that a time or two? Yeah, yeah. Kyle's like, ooh, that's me, (laughs) Yeah, it's a struggle. It's a problem. He goes on to say, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's a book called Jesus is the Question. And I don't remember who the author was. I was just reading about it on Amazon. And and the title and description really stuck with me. Because the author, he says this, he makes note that Jesus asked, are you ready? Jesus asked 183 questions. He, He was asked, excuse me, he was asked, 183 questions. But when you read the Gospels, he only answered three. He only answered three of those 183 questions. But he asked in the Gospels 307 questions. And so if you look at the ratio, Jesus asked 100 times more questions than he answered. One of the things that Jesus understood is that listening... um, He did a lot more listening than he did talking or answering questions. And if that was a policy or idea that Jesus had, that it was good to listen, it was good to ask questions, it was good to think that way, to dive into people's lives, then maybe, just maybe, it might be good for us too. Listening is probably a good thing for us to talk about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Sometimes we just have to stop talking so much when it comes to sharing our faith. Why listening is so important. I just have three thoughts for you to kind of get us off started on the right foot. The reason listening is so important is one, is because listening affirms another person's value. When you stop to listen to somebody, you're telling them that, you're, that they are worth your time and energy and interest. You're saying, I count you as enough value as an individual to allow you to engage me with what's going on in your life. Now, how many of you have ever been talking with somebody and you know they're not listening? Now, babe, don't raise your hand. Anybody? And when that happens, how does it make you feel? It makes you feel devalued. It makes you feel like, what am I wasting my breath for? This person isn't listening to me. I'm not worth their time at this moment. One of the biggest compliments that I've ever gotten as a youth pastor was not about the sermons that I preached to my students. Even though I think I'm a pretty decent talker and a pretty decent communicator, the greatest compliments I ever received was, was, Jared, you remember that time when we were on that trip and, and you sat and you listened to me for hours and we talked about life and and the fact that you were always there and you were always able to listen and 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 you really cared about me that's what people really value that's what they need when we listen we we affirm another person's value and when we don't we also affirm something else here's another idea listening helps us focus on the person not the presentation how, how many of you, now this is funny, how many of you have answered the phone to a telemarketer and, and isn't amazing how interested they are in you, right? 
You're talking to a telemarketer and they start their spiel and you're just like, um, wait, um, I'm not. Um, and they just keep going and they just talk right over the top of you. Look, they don't care about you. They just care about their presentation. I get calls two or three times a day about my student loans and how the government has this exciting new opportunity where I can lower my interest payments and be free of my student loans in just two or three years. Now here's the kicker. I paid those bad boys off. I'm done with them. After 17 years, last year, I wrote that last check and I felt free. Sally Mae was no longer in my house. Glory, hallelujah. But they won't stop calling me. And I'll stop them. And I'll say, hey guys, I'm no longer, I don't have student loans anymore. And you know what they do to me? They hang up on you. And then they call you back the next day. Because they don't care. They don't listen. They're more interested in their presentation than they are me as a person. In the church, if you grew up like I did in the church, you were taught how to share your faith. And you were taught to know all the answers and all the hang-ups that might come up in your presentation to people, right? You, you, you were taught how to, how to maneuver the conversation to get them to that place where, where they would, where they would make a decision right there in that moment about their future. Now the problem with that is that that's not engaging a person's story or their heart or their life or what they even care or think about God. But when I listen, it makes me think about you. Not what I think you need to know to convince you to believe what I believe, but it makes you important in your life, in your story. Here's a third thought. Listening helps you to begin where they are. Sometimes if you've grown, around, grown up in the church, you forget that not everyone has the same understanding that you do of the Bible. We live in a more biblical, illiterate society than we did when I was a kid. Right? And so we start talking about things that we just assume other people knew because we just assume they grew up in Sunday school too and they have no idea. A few weeks, a few years ago when I was a youth pastor, I was telling the kids the story of Moses. And I said, does anybody know the story of Moses? And the kid in the back real confidently shot up his hand and he said, yeah, that's the story about the guy who grew up as a prince of Egypt. You know where this is going, right? And he would race his, his cousin Ramsey through Egypt on chariots. And they were really good friends, but they were really always like button heads and stuff like that. And he began to describe to me the movie, the Disney movie, Prince of Egypt, which is not like 100% biblically sound. He started talking about how when the Red Sea parted and the Israelites walked through, they looked and they saw a giant well swimming in the tall pillar of water. And I thought, that's not in the Bible. Until it caught on that what he was describing to me was the movie. And, and here's the thing, is that that's all he knew. And some people didn't even know that. What I love about Jesus, when you study the life of Jesus, Jesus always began where people were. He was sitting by a well with a Samaritan woman. And guess what they started talking about? Water. And about living water. And about how he was the water that she needed. And if if as him, as the Messiah, if she drank from him, she would never thirst again. Here's, Here's one last thought. Listening communicates caring. There's one statement that I say over and over again that I think we all need to understand 
is that people don't care how much you know, finish with me, until they know how much you care. When I listen, it communicates to people that I really do care. And when they understand that I really do care, guess what they do? They open up their life to you in a more significant way. So how do we become better listeners for others? Just a few thoughts for you. The first one is this, is you have to ask questions to people to help people share their story. You have to ask questions to help people share their story. Three things that I learned that are really huge. One is that everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Everyone. I'm going to say this again. Everyone has a story. And their stories are often fascinating. That's one of my favorite things about being a pastor is talking with somebody about their life and their faith and beginning to hear their story and just thinking, oh, wow, man, this person has done things and seen things and experienced things. They have a story. When I, was, when I was on staff in Oklahoma City, there was a gentleman that I got to know really close. He became like a mentor to me. His name was Marvin Cottom. He was in his late 70s, and he had had a stroke um, about 15 years before, and I had only known him post-stroke. And so he walked with a cane and a significant lip, and, but he was sharp, sharp guy. And, and I got to know him over the years, and what I found out about his story is that he was actually the founding person of Weoki Credit Union in Oklahoma City. And Weoki Credit Union was one of the first credit unions across the country. And he was super significant in traveling to Washington, D.C. and legitimizing and legalizing credit unions and, credit unions and making them about a, a, an equal partner to, to banks across the country, which banks were obviously trying to fight because they don't want any kind of competition. Not only did he do that, but he traveled to South America and he met with government officials throughout South America, helping them to establish credit unions in their own country. What's crazy about Marvin is for the first three months, or ah, probably first two months, I called him Tom. Because that's what I thought his name was. And he just looked at me with a sly smile every time I called him Tom. And he never corrected me. And one day we were at lunch and his daughter looked at me and I said, Hey Tom, how was church today? Was it a good message? I was doing something. Oh yeah, it was great. And his daughter, his granddaughter looked at me and she said, Why are you calling my grandpa Tom? And I said, That's his name. And he got this really big grin across his face. She says, no, his name is Marvin. And I said, Tom, I've been calling you Tom for months. He said, I know, I just thought it was great. And so I just let it happen. You were so confident in calling me Tom, I didn't have the heart to correct you. That was just the type of man he was. That was just the type of fascinating person he was. And he had a story. One of the people that I love to talk to in church, I didn't warn her that I was going to do this, but she's not in here, so it doesn't matter, is Kathleen. Anybody ever talk to Kathleen? She's got stories. And she's got great stories. If you ever want to hear a great story, just say, hey, Kathleen, Jared told me that you tell really good stories. Tell me something about your life. She's she's going to kill me for doing this. But I'm not going to tell you her stories. I just got to tell you, they are great. And they are wild. And she's amazing. And I love hearing about her. Everybody has a story. Not only does everybody have a story, but everybody loves sharing their story. Now, some people are extroverted and all you have to do is crack open the door and they'll kick it open and like tell you about their whole life. But some people are introverted 
And it may take a moment to get them started, but deep down, everybody wants to be known by people who care about them. Right, introverts? You don't have to raise your hand because I know it's killing you to even think about me calling on you. But, it's, but you have a story, and you want those people who care about you to know your story. And can I tell you one last thought? God makes everyone's story better. He does. And if you can learn the art of asking questions and get people to open up, I can tell you that God will give you opportunities to talk about his story that happened through you and how he's intervened and impacted in their story. A month ago, maybe it was a month and a half ago, I met a woman right back here in the back of the, of the cafeteria. It was after the service. And she just said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. She was a first-time guest, first-time visitor. She said, I just... I just feel like God wants me to tell you what's going on in my family. Can you pray for me? And man, she opened up. And she started telling me the struggle she was having with her kids. And she was having, and, and the fear that it was creating, and about her husband was back in Kansas City caring for their, their, his mother that was going to pass away soon. And, and she just opened up her life to me. And it was such a cool moment to be able to pray for her and just say, I know God is in this. And he's not done with it. And he is going to work on your behalf. God makes everyone's story better. Here's a second thought. Are you ready? So we have to seek to understand people, not fix them. Are you ready? Are, are there any control freaks in the room? There's really hard. I know you're not going to raise your hand. <laughs> this is really hard. This is really hard for control freaks. The reason why is because we like to fix people and we want to fix people. Here's the thing is that people don't want us to fix them. And they say, we, I don't want you to fix me. And I say, yes, you do. You just don't know you want me to fix you. But you do want me to fix you. Let me fix you. Let me help you. One thing that God has tried to and continues to try to teach me is that I don't have to fix people. And here's the more important truth that he teaches us is that I can't fix people. Only he can. That's what he does. He's the only one that can fix broken things in people's lives. Him. People just want you to know that you understand them. I saw this cute video this week. I want you to watch it real quick. Shania, can you hit that button? This is great. There's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. I, that sounds really hard. It is. 
Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't... Try to see things my way. Okay, how many of you can identify with that video? It's, it's not about the nail. Yeah. Sometimes it seems obvious to us what's going on in someone else's life and what needs to happen to fix those things that are happening in their life. But you need to understand that people want to be understood. And, and until you show them that you understand and that you are feeling what they're experiencing, what they go through, until they get that, they won't open up their life to you. So when you're listening, listen for a couple things. Listen for their questions. Listen for their questions about life. Listen for their questions about God. Listen to their fears, what they're afraid of as they look at their life and look at the stuff they're struggling. Listen to their hurts. A lot of people are where they are because of the pain that they've been through. Listen to their doubts. I put this great quote in your notes. It says, people are open to being your friend, but no one wants to be your project. They don't want to be your project that you're fixing. They want to be your friend. Seek to understand them and what's going on under the surface. And if they feel like you understand, then most likely they'll give you opportunity to speak into their lives. Here's a third thought. is put a harness on your conversation busters. And this can be hard for some of us. For some of us, some listening, it's really hard because they know that they, they say certain things and we just want to jump right into that before they really finish what they're feeling, what they're talking about. Listen to what Proverbs, right? Proverbs says in Proverbs 18.3. Read it with me. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Ever run into that before? Spouting off before listening to the facts. So listen without getting defensive. Are you ready? As you engage people about life and God, one thing that you'll discover is that there are a lot of people who've been hurt along the way. People that say they're Christians, but they do unchristlike things and hurt people. Churches that they're a part of, And sometimes when you prick this conversation about God, it pulls that scab and you start experiencing that anger or frustration. And and the thing is, is that it can start feeling very defensive, but you don't have to defend God. You don't have to. And so when they say things like Christians are just hypocrites, churches, they just want to use people. They just want to take advantage of people. They don't care about people. You don't have to defend the church. That's just their experience. That's just what they've gone through. How many have ever had a church disappoint you? Anybody? Yeah, we all have. How many of you have ever been hurt by someone who says that they're a follower of Jesus, a Christian? Anybody? Yeah, it happens. You don't have to defend God. You don't have to defend the church. You don't have to defend other people. When people say something like, you know, Jared... The church, it's, the church just hurts people. You know what I say? I say, you're right. The church has hurt people. I've been a pastor for almost 20 years, and I've experienced hurt too by the church. It's not good. You see, when you tell the truth, you ease the conversation. You help them to know that you're not out to get them or out to 
squash their feelings or what they've experienced. You just say, you know what? I've experienced that too. Here's a second thought. Listen without having to have all the answers. How many of you discovered that you don't have all the answers? Anybody? Yeah, me too. This should set you free. It should. People ask me questions that I can't answer. It just happens. And there are a lot of questions that we can't answer about life. And here's a good phrase. Are you ready? Say this after me. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I've often wondered that myself. So when someone says that God, if God's all powerful, how come there are wars in this world? And the response should be, I don't know. I've often wondered that myself. Or if we say something like, if God is so loving, then why do, why do babies die? I don't know. I've, I've often wondered that myself. Or if they say, why does God let bad things happen? I don't know. My response is, I don't know. I'm in sales, not management. I don't make those kind of calls. I don't, I don't know. I've, I have felt the pressure to have the answer for everyone and for every question. And the longer I live, and the longer that I lead, one of the things that I understand is I don't. And I just make it worse when I make it up. And so you just say, I don't know. I've often wondered that myself. But what I do know is I do know the one that can help you through any circumstance, through anything, through... I don't have the answer, but I do know the one who can help. So don't pretend like you do. Here's a third thing, is listen without judgment. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because it's about being people's friend and accepting them where they are so that you can journey with them as God intervenes in their life. But when we accept people where they are, until we accept people where they are, we can't lead them to where God may be taking them. People will say something like, you know what, you must think I'm a horrible person. My response is no, I don't. I know the baggage that I have in my life and the things that I've done, and I am not any better than you. But I've come to come to a place where I know God, and I understand that he's the only one that can help me, and he's the only one that can help you. It's a great day in our lives when we realize we don't have to make other people feel guilty. That's not our job. If you look in the scripture, John 16, 8, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, say it with me, he will convict men of their sin. So what does that mean? That means you don't have to. You don't have to. For a while, I thought it was my job to make other people feel bad, to tell them how terrible they were so that I could get them to understand how undeserving they were of God's grace so they could experience God's forgiveness. Now, how backwards is that? Because what I've come to understand is that people get it. People realize that they're a mess. Most people do. That's why they're not at church. That's why they're not here because they feel that conviction in their lives and they don't want to face the reality of where they are. But the scripture says, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict. He will work. 
He will help. We don't, we don't have to. And here's one last thought. As you're listening to others, listen for God. As you're listening to others, listen for God. Sometime in, in the midst of what you're experiencing, God is going to be there. And instead of you worrying about what you're going to say and what you're going to do, if you'll listen for God, and it's the right time for you to speak, he'll give you exactly what you need. That's what the scripture says. That's what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 12, verse 11 and 12, it says, When you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say. Are you ready? For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should do. Well, what if God doesn't say anything? Then stop talking. Because if it's not from Him, then you probably shouldn't say it. Amen? A friend of mine told me a pretty powerful story. His name's Steve. And he was, uh, they had a Saturday night service at their church in North Hills on the north side of town. And about five minutes before the service was about to start, um, this young family came in. It was a mom and dad and had three kids and they looked to be in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s. And man, he said, man, when you're a pastor and a new family comes in and they meet that, you know, you're just like, oh yeah, this is one of the ones that we're going for. Let's get them. So he walked up to him and he greeted him. He's like, Pastor Steve. And he started, and they said, they said, yeah, we're new to the area and we're looking for a church. And we really feel like, you know, that we wanted to come and check out your guys' place. And we want to get involved in ministry and we're active and we tithe and, and we, we just, we're just ready. And he was just like, check, check, check. Let's, where do you want to sign the dotted line? Let's do this. And they sat right behind him on the second row. He's like, are you kidding me? Second row? Man, that's like where you go. People mostly want to get in the back. You know what I'm saying? And they had this big room, this big building. They were on the second row. Worship service getting close into starting. And he says, all of a sudden, the usher came up and he says, hey, there's another new person. He's in the back and... I want you to say hi to him. And he walked back and he said, as soon as he walked up to him, he thought, oh no. He just had that vibe about him. He was a little bit wild and he was like, I'm, I'm just, I can't remember the name he said, but my name's Charles. I'm just going to make a name up. He says, my name's Charles and, and I just was walking by and decided that, look, he had lots of lights on and music going. So I just decided to come in to church. He was just real wild eyed. And so he said, Great, I'm glad you're here. I'm Pastor Steve. And, and so Steve went up to the front row and, and Charles, man, he went right up to the front row with Steve. Set like three, three seats down. And Steve was like, oh no, what's going to happen now? And he said their worship is like kicking. Like electric guitars, like four of them and, 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 and just like the whole full band. There's like 25 people up on stage and they're just going to town. And he said with every worship song, this guy was just like, yeah! you know, and just like getting into it and was like jumping and dancing. And, and at one point, like in the third, th- third song, he like started playing electric, like air guitar along with the band. He was like, you know, Steve's just like, oh my gosh, I've got a brand new family right here behind me. And I've got this guy, this wackadoo guy acting like a crazy person 
they're never coming back. And he said, I started to go over and say something, and I took two steps, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit punched me in the face and said, don't you take another step. And he went back, he's like, I'm just going to trust you, God. And he got to this point where he was supposed to come up, and he delivered the message. And after the message was over, and he did his altar call, the guy on the end just ran forward and fell face down on the steps. And Steve was like, all right, I need to go talk to this guy. He has made a scene in this church. What in the world is going on? I got I to gotta hear this. He said the closer he got, and when he leaned in, you know, when you're praying with somebody, you get really close. He could all of a sudden smell alcohol all over him. He said, I didn't smell it at first. And he says, that triggered every trigger in my trigger button. Because he grew up with, you know, some alcoholic family members. And he said, ooh, that set me off. And the guy was just pouring down tears, crying. I want to get saved right now. Help me. And Steve just said, not going to do it. He says, I can tell that you're drunk right now. He says, yes, I've had too much to drink. He says, I'm, I'm not going to pray with you except Jesus. That's not a decision you should make under the influence of alcohol. But if you'll come back tomorrow morning, I'll be in my office at 8.30. And if you want to come, I'll have some time with you and we'll talk about Jesus. The guy was crying. He said, okay. The next day, 8.30, Steve said, I did not expect for him to show up. He says, but there he was. And he walked into my office, sobered up. And he says, I have to tell you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I behaved last night. I'm sorry for this. He says, but this is, this is what's happening in my life. He said, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm homeless 90% of the time. You know, I have family that let me move in and out. He says, but my life is a wreck. Can you help me? And Steve's like, I can't help you. But Jesus can. He says, there in his office, this sober man committed his life to the Lord. And Steve said he was a radical transformation. He started coming to their Celebrate Recovery group, which is for, 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 for addicts and for people who are turning their life around. And He started serving in the church. And he started volunteering. And he started doing all this. He was all in. Steve said, I never, I never saw that other family again. But that's okay. But Charles, he was there. Every single week. Every Friday night. Every Wednesday night. Every Sunday morning. Completely sold in. God radically changing his life. He says a couple weeks went by, about six months into this journey with Charles, and he didn't show up for church. Set the radar off. What's happening? Did he slip? Did he fall back into addiction? And then he got a call that week from Charles's sister. He said, Charles died this week of a brain aneurysm. He lived a hard life. He says, you guys made a difference. But the hard life caught up with him. And, and he's gone. Will you do his funeral? Steve said yes. And he hung up and he, he said he just collapsed on his desk. Tears streaming down his face. And he said, what if? What if that Friday or that Saturday night, what if I walked down to that guy and I said, you have acted like a complete fool because that's all the things that I wanted to say. Man, that guy would have been out the door. He says, but because I listened 
in that moment, the Holy Spirit checked my heart. Charles is in eternity, spending it with Jesus. I just know he is. And that's for all of us. We have to listen. We have to listen to the voice of God. And because when we're talking with others, there's nothing more than what God wants than to use us and to speak through us to speak into their lives. So listen. Listen. There's a, there's a pressure when it comes to sharing our faith to feel like it's all about our presentation. But it's not. It's about their story. It's about their heart. It's about them feeling value. It's about God using you to connect with their hearts. And that only happens when we listen and we actually care about people's lives. Who are you listening to? A few weeks ago, I challenged you to start praying, God, bring some people into my life. Help me to see and to know who you're going to use me to reach for your kingdom. It only happens if you listen to their stories.